0: hello everyone and welcome to fair voice i am hannah syriac your host and i am so excited to be able to talk with you today on this beautiful sunday day i am so so pleased that general conference went the way that it did i learned so much And I am looking forward to discussing that with you today as well. I'd like to begin by talking about how this podcast is going to work going forward. We're going to do more series. I think those are effective. Our next series will be on the Bible. So we'll have our introduction episode that upcoming week and then I'll have a bunch of different interviews with scholars. I'm thinking six episodes is what I have scheduled now to talk about the Bible so that way we can get a better understanding of why we should read the Old Testament in particular. That's something I really want to focus on. I want to also focus on the purpose of having multiple scriptures with an eye towards the New Testament as well. It should be a really great series. I'll be honest with you, Bible is what I do so I I, well i can talk to other s- topics this is this is my thing this is what i really enjoy doing so i am really looking forward to these episodes on a personal level and i hope that they'll be helpful for you i'll talk a bit about my own work too just naturally as we as we talk about the greek new testament in particular which is the work of scripture that i spend most of my time reading and studying but before we get into general conference, I wanted to talk a bit about the Q and a session uh, Q and a session that we are doing each time. So you can submit your questions to hseariac at fairmormon.org. That is H-S-E-A-R-I-A-C at fairmormon.org. I've gotten a lot of questions asked to me, so I'll do two this episode. Please submit your questions to me. They're very fun. You can ask me about anything. Some of them have been my opinions on particular subjects. Some of them have been asking me to do a little bit of research on a topic and get back to you on it, which I'm happy to do. And some of them have been more of personal questions. Um, And I'd like to answer one of the personal, more personal questions today. And the question that was asked to me that I really like is, what is your favorite hymn and why? So I want to talk about hymns for a second here. I absolutely love hymns. There are a lot of hymns I really like, so I'm going to list a few of them. I really like Redeemer of Israel, Now Let Us Rejoice, An Angel from on High, Come, Come, Ye Saints. For the strength of the hills, let Zion in her beauty rise. I love let Zion in her beauty rise. All creatures of her God and King, rejoice. The Lord is King. Great is the Lord. Press forward, saints. How great thou art. The Lord is my light. Now we thank thee, all our God. Um, Nearer my God to thee, precious Savior, dear Redeemer. Master, the tempest is Raging. Where can I turn to, for peace? I know that my Redeemer lives. I believe in Christ. Because I haven't given much, more holiness give me. Abide with me. I love abide with me, but I also love abide with me. Tis eventide. O Lord of hosts, thy will, O Lord, be done. There is a green hill far away. Uh, it came upon a midnight clear. Hark, the herald angels sing. Once in Royal David's city i heard the bells on christmas day have i done any good scatter sunshine praise god from whom all blessings flow we are all enlisted hope of israel hark all you nations the iron rod O oh, say what is truth how beautiful thy temples lord turn your hearts oh my father i am a child of god teach me the walk in the light as this as sisters in zion I actually also really like Come All Ye Sons of God. I know I'm not a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Just really like the hymn. My Country Tis of Thee and the Star Spangled Banner. I love all of these hymns. So it was hard for me to pick one. But I picked one that I didn't list there as my favorite hymn. I wanted to list those hymns purely because I like hymns. And it's really hard for me to pick just one. hymns are a very big way that I connect with God. I find that Hymns allow me to understand him in a deeper way and in a more sincere way. Whenever I hear hymns, I feel the spirit of the Lord so strongly and I feel like I can better I can better understand the way that people understand God. The hymn that I picked to talk about today, I have an interesting story with. The hymn is called Lead Kindly Light. Lead Kindly Light is one of my favorite hymns and I want to talk about. First about the founding of this hymn. So this hymn was written by John Henry Newman. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with John Henry Newman, he was an Anglican priest who converted to Catholicism. I first heard of John Henry Newman when I read Apologia Pro Vita Sua. Apologia Pro Vita Sua is John Henry Newman's defense of his own religious opinions. This is what is called an apology this is apologetics. He is defending his beliefs. I was really inspired by the story of John Henry Newman. When he came to Catholicism, he experienced a pretty lengthy faith crisis, and I can understand that. I can understand what it's like to be unsure of what you believe and to try to figure out what is truth and to go forward with that. When he read St. Augustine, and St. Augustine is one of my favorite authors. I really do like St. Augustine. One thing that he wrote about him that really stands out to me, it's actually on the Wikipedia page, ironically, too, but it's also one of the most famous quotes that he's ever said, so that's probably why. It reads, For a mere sentence, the words of St. Augustine struck me with a power which I had never felt from any words before. They were like the tole lege, tole lege of the child, which converted St. Augustine himself Saracurus Judicat Orbis Terrarum. By those great words of the ancient father interpreting and summing up the long and varied course of ecclesiastical history, the theology of the via media was absolutely pulverized. End quote. I love this quote because that's how I felt when I read Moroni 741 for the first time with any real sincerity. When I read Moroni 731, with real sincerity, I felt the spirit of the Lord very strongly. And for me, that's when the middle way was removed from me. That's when I saw that there was no other way but through Jesus Christ alone. And I'll read the, hit, the, the lyrics to Lead Kindly Light and explain how this has impacted me deeply. Lead kindly light amidst the encircling gloom lead thou me on the night is dark and i am far from home lead thou me on keep my feet i do not ask to see the distant scene one step enough for me i was not ever thus nor prayed that thou shouldst lead me on i loved to choose and see my path but now lead me on i loved the garish day and in spite of fear pride ruled my will remember not past years So long thy power hath blessed me, sure it still will lead me on. Or moor and fen, or crag and torrent till, the night is gone. And with the morn those angel faces smile, which I have loved long since and lost a while. Meanwhile, along the narrow rugged path, thyself hast trod, lead, Savior, lead me home in childlike faith. Home to my God, to rest forever, After earthly strife, in the calm light of everlasting life. I love the words of this hymn because, in large part, it describes how I feel about my own life. I do feel like John Henry Newman that I had a lot of pride, that I had a lot to overcome, and I am grateful to know that the Lord remembers my sins no more. I'm grateful to know that he has changed me. I'm grateful to know that my efforts of trying to become more like Jesus Christ are recognized by my Savior and that he magnifies them. And like John Henry Newman, I also beseech my Savior to lead me home in childlike faith. When I first moved out to Utah and struggled a lot with losing some close friends and family with deciding to be a better person With deciding to put my old self to rest, with deciding that I needed to put real effort into changing. When all of that happened, I needed something to turn to. I needed some sort of solace because I did not find that much. I had a lot of really rough experiences moving out here, some of them because of my own fault and some of them not because of my own fault. I lost a lot of really good people, some because of my own actions, others not because of my own actions. And I went through this period of intense change. And the words of this hymn always comforted me. We sang this hymn, I think, six or seven times during sacrament meeting my first semester here. And while some people would complain that we sang this hymn all the time, this hymn became the hymn I listened to the most because it both inspired me to change and put my path self away, but it also reminded me of the light that would come into my life as I did change. So that's my favorite hymn and why, and that's called Lead Kindly Light. Um, it's a great hymn. Reading about the story of this hymn is also quite beautiful. The story of this hymn is... Essentially, he wrote it when he was sick, I believe so. Um, He wrote it when he was sick in Italy and he wrote it over the course of three weeks. And I have just been quite inspired by his example and by the example of others who have converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ or who just have conversion stories of different faiths because I often find that the feelings that they have come from God, the, the feelings of wanting to have more light and truth in your life. Those feelings always come from God and I'm grateful to be a member of the Restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am really grateful for that every day. I want to move on now to talk about General Conference. So General Conference this year, and online this year, and was full of a lot of really great talks. The conference occurred October 3rd to October 4th. This conference was broadcast from a small auditorium in Temple Square, was closed to the public, and there were a lot of really amazing talks and I I definitely enjoyed them all. So to make this make sense, I wanted to talk about the personal themes that I experienced from this conference and then highlight two talks that I think were really emblematic talks that I would just like to focus on. It's hard to do an episode on the entirety of General Conference. It was amazing. I invite you to watch it. I invite you to listen to it. The talks are already on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint website, so you can read them now, which is incredible. I love how quickly that the church gets those on there because I know that Reading them has always blessed me and has always strengthened my testimony. The first theme that I saw throughout this conference had to deal with repair preparedness but also charity, and there's a reason I want to combine these two. We heard a lot of different talks about how we need to be prepared in situations. The pandemic has all given us an opportunity to reflect on our own preparedness. We have been able to see whether or not we have enough food storage, whether or not we have enough storage of other goods. I know for me personally, I discovered that I actually had enough food storage, which I was really shocked about as a college student. I I will say, as soon as I guessed that the pandemic would be a problem, and I I guessed it pretty early on, I bought a ton of food storage that I didn't have. I already had about six weeks and just added more. Um, But there were some things that I was not having. I did not have water, which seems... To be obvious but i didn't have water i needed water so i got more water and i learned that i needed to stock up on different things and that was also a really great lesson for me too i want to talk a moment about emotional preparedness too when we're in situations like that it can be really difficult to go without seeing friends and family for me i was unable to go home to see my family who live across the country from me, so that was a bit different. I haven't seen them in a little less than a year now, which is the longest time that I've ever gone without seeing my family, and also obviously because of social distancing and mask wearing and the original stay-at-home orders, I went a long time without seeing my friends, as many people do and as many people did, but... I'm grateful for modern technology that allows us to still connect with people. I do think, however, that emotional preparedness was something that was emphasized throughout this conference. That was something that I feel like was hammered into my mind, is that we need to have a close relationship with the Savior and with our families, so that way when we have these opportunities to spend more time with our family and less time with the people around us. Or in, in a lot of our cases, for us to spend more time with our roommates, we need to have those close bonds and be willing to strengthen those bonds because we're going to have to learn to be More introverted sometimes because of the circumstances of our life, and I appreciated that lesson of having a closer relationship with my savior so that way I can be emotionally self reliant. Preparedness there's a lot of different aspects of it. Temple's closing was very hard for some people emotionally, not having food is something very hard for people physically. And I feel like this general conference inspired me in particular to be more prepared to think about the ways that I can use my resources more aptly to develop my own temporal and emotional preparedness. But I also want to talk about charity. One line that I will not forget from conference that has echoed in my mind for the last week was the line about the middle ground is shrinking. When the middle ground shrinks, what does that mean? What I have understood about the middle ground shrinking is that I believe this is the savior warning us that we are going to see that there will be more instances where a lot of what seems to be the great opposition of our day will seem minimal in the coming days. I believe that things like Book of Mormon historicity, Book of Abraham historicity, our prophets and apostles, I believe that these will be attacked. I believe that We will have to see which side we want to be on. I believe that there will be less opportunity to try and take a moderate position and reject some of the teachings of the church and accept some other ones. I believe that we will have to be increasingly coming into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ who founded this church and whose church we covenant to defend whose church we covenant to uphold the teachings of, I believe we will have to be a bit more stalwart in that effort. And with that in mind, I would also like to talk about charity. We saw throughout this conference in talks, like President Oaks's talk, which was the, the talk that I saw most people speak about. I'll be, I'll be frank with you. I'm not going to talk about that one here. Not because I don't like it. I really do like it. I just have two other talks that I want to bring up more specifically. I'll just mention it, though. Um, President Oaks' talk, I feel like, focused on how we need to be charitable in these situations in the world while still defending truth. We need to find correct principles stand by those and not allow our principles to change us into an unprincipled individual and i think with preparedness and charity we're seeing we're seeing two parallel ideas we need to be prepared for every outcome because the middle ground is shrinking. we need to be be ready to face a lot of opposition to face some persecution liberty jail was brought up several different times The episode in Liberty Jail is one of my favorites to read about because I find that the what i what i'll call the commission of joseph smith is really fascinating i'm going to take a minute and read dnc 122 and then read a couple verses from 123 to talk about what i'm going to talk about i i like to go to scriptures when i can script the, the the word of god has more power than the words that i speak so i feel like turning to scriptures as often as possible is an effective way to teach it's an effective way to bring the spirit in In dnc 122 we read The ends of the earth shall inquire after thy name, and fools shall have thee in derision, and hell shall rage against thee. While the pure in heart, and the wise, and the noble, and virtuous shall seek counsel, and authority, and blessings constantly from under thy hand. And thy people shall never be turned against thee by the testimony of traitors. And although their influence shall cast thee into trouble, and into bars and walls, thou shalt be had in horror." And but for a small moment, and thy voice shall be more terrible in the midst of thine enemies than the fierce lion, because of thy righteousness, and thy God shall stand by thee forever and ever. If thou art called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in perils among false brethren, if thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in peril by land or by sea, If thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, if thine enemies fall upon thee, if they tear thee from the society of thy father and mother and brethren and sisters, and with a drawn sword, thine enemies tear thee from the bosom of thy wife and of thine offspring and thine elder son, although but six years of age, shall cling to thy garments and shall say, My father, my father, why can't you stay with us? O my father, what are the men going to do with you? And if then... He shall be thrust from thee by the sword, and thou shalt be dragged to prison, and thine enemies prowl around thee like wolves for the blood of the lamb. And if thou shalt be cast into the pit, or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passed upon thee. If thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness, and all elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape, open the mouth wide after thee, know thou my son." That all these things shall give thee experience, and shall be for thy good. The Son of Man hath descended below them all, art thou greater than he. Therefore hold on thy way, and the priesthood shall remain with thee. For their bounds are set, they cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore fear not what man can do. For God shall be with you forever and ever. It is an imperative duty that we owe to God, to angels with whom we shall be brought to stand, and also to ourselves, to our wives, and our children. Who have been made to bow down with grief, sorrow, and care, under the most damning hand of murder, tyranny, and oppression, supported and urged on, and upheld by the influence of the spirit, which hath so strongly riveted the creeds of the fathers, who have inherited lies upon the hearts of the children, and filled the world with confusion, and has been growing stronger and stronger, and is now the very mainspring of all corruption, and the whole earth groans under the weight of its iniquity." It is an iron yoke, skipping down even further, and it is also an imperative duty that we owe to all the rising generation and to all pure in heart, for there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. "...therefore that we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all of the hidden things of darkness wherein we know them, and they are truly manifest from heaven. These should then be attended to with great earnestness. Let no man count them as small things." For there is much which lieth in fraternity pertaining to the saints which depends upon these things. You know, brethren, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm in the time of a storm, by being kept to work ways with the winds and with the waves. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power then we may stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed end quote when i think about joseph smith in liberty jail i think that he might not have been prepared for that i think he might have been spiritually prepared for it but it might have been an emotional shock i think when he was there he discovered that he needed to have a closer relationship with god that he needed to stop looking at the ways of the world he needed to stop looking at the circumstances of his life that he needed to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and have that be his sole intent instead of focusing on the ways that that has impeded his own life. And I think the same is true for us. I think with the preparedness that we are asked to create, yes, we need food storage. Yes, we need water. Yes, we need those things. We need need our checklist done. But beyond our checklist, I think we need to be prepared to give up everything for the kingdom of God. I think we need to be prepared to know that the circumstances of our lives might become harder the more that we talk of christ to know that if we preach christ's gospel things for us are going to be difficult and we are promised that people will say bad things about us we are promised that we will experience persecution we are promised that that will happen. But we are also promised that our God has descended below all things. We are promised that God knows our hearts, that he knows our intents, that the circumstances of our lives are not what he judges us on, but he judges us on the type of person that we become. And I find that this is a very beautiful message and it's a very uplifting one for me personally. When we talk about preparedness, I think One of the greatest messages of this general conference is that we are not prepared unless we have a close relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that that relationship is founded upon the principle that it is not our trials that define us, but it is the way that we work with the Savior to overcome our trials that makes us into who we need to be. That's what I gained from preparedness. But now let's talk about charity. When we think about the middle ground shrinking, I think this brings up a lot of difficult questions for us as saints. The questions typically are, We know that. We have to call out particular teachings, but I think it becomes difficult when we try to determine a line for that. And I'm not going to be the one to set that line for you. I'm going to encourage you to go to the Holy Spirit. I think we need to pay attention to the promptings of the Spirit with what we call out and what we don't call out. I have personally been inspired by the words of DNC 123 to know that I can't just say nothing anymore. It is not charitable for me to watch my fellow saints be led astray by teachings that are not in line with the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not charitable for me to watch as philosophies of men become mingled with scripture. And it is also not charitable of me to not call out when I do it myself and to repent. I think we need to keep that in mind. And we have been counseled, especially in this general conference, to increase our unity. And I think that this can be rather difficult. But I would like to point out that when we talk about increasing our unity, that means increasing our unity in Jesus Christ. That does not mean we need to uh, sacrifice the principles of what we believe other people, because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus still loved everyone, and we need to love everyone, and we love everyone by being kind to people. But being kind doesn't mean being a pushover. That was, that was the first message that I got from General Conference, was preparity and charity along with unity. The second message I got from General Conference before we transitioning into talking about different talks, I love when, I love when we say talking about talks, it makes me feel kind of meta. The second message I got was to increase spiritual habits. I liked a lot of the talk on prayer and recognizing things in our life as spiritual. When we recognize things in our life as spiritual, I think we are better able to understand how the restored gospel of Jesus Christ really works. The restored gospel of Jesus Christ is something that can and shall pervade every aspect of our life if we choose to let it. I think one of the messages that I got was to increase my relationship with my Savior through prayer, but also through recognizing the miracles that he does already send in my life. One story that has really stood out to me recently, it was a Mormon message. I don't know what else to call those. I like to use the full name of the church, as you probably have noticed. I'm not sure what those are called now. I think they're still Mormon messages. It was a message about a man who had not heard, Heard the voice of the Lord in many years in his own recollection. He had struggled to feel like God was talking to him. He had faith that God could, but this caused a big faith crisis for him. Because he was unsure if God cared about him. And he wondered why God just wouldn't speak to him. And the lesson that he learned is that God always spoke to him, but he did not always listen. And I think that... So often in our own lives, we hear the voice of the Lord, but because the Lord speaks to us in a different way, we're unable to recognize it. And I found that being able to recognize it through prayer was something that was really focused on this general conference. I think that's why we, or one reason why, you know, there's, (laughs) I'm not the prophet, so I can't speak to that, but there are many reasons why we have had the focus of hear him. And I think one of the reasons we need to hear him is because the Lord will speak to us in different ways at different times in our lives. And this is just another one of those ways. Now I would like to talk about not only prayer, but also the second aspect of that, which is recognizing spiritual things as spiritual. I think the talk on angels did a really good job of this with being able to see that The people in our lives who are nice to us are not merely just nice a lot of the time. I had an experience that I'll share right now. Very fun experience. Um, I was having a really, really rough night. And one of my friends texted me and it was pretty late. It was 11 o'clock at night. He texted me and I mentioned that I was upset. And then he immediately came over and we talked for a long time. And he listened to me talk and mourned with me but he didn't leave it at that. And this is what has always really inspired me. He did not leave it at me and I shared a similar story to this before. This is a different instance, but it's the same person, ironically. Um he did not leave it as him just telling me that my life was terrible and that it sucked and that we'd get through it. It was he did that for a while and he was like, Okay Hannah, let's talk about how You can become better. Let's talk about how you can have a closer relationship with God. Let's talk about how you can change. And this was one of the turning points for me because it was an instance where I saw his compassion as not only just something good, not only just him being a good friend, but I saw it as inspired and I saw it as coming from God and I saw him as an angel. And in our own lives, we have so many people who are angels And we have so many miracles that occur in our lives that we do not call miracles. But if we saw them for what they were, our testimony might be strengthened. We might be able to follow Jesus Christ more closely. If we saw the hand of the Lord with more sincerity, authenticity, and clarity. And I have seen in my own life that when... Everything seemed like it wouldn't work. When I've had days where I've looked at my schedule and I said, there's no way that I can do that, which has happened quite a bit where I've sat down, planned out everything and just gone, God, there's not enough hours in the day for me to do this. And the, the answer I always get is put me first and it'll work out. And every single time that I do, it does. And it working out does not mean that everything gets done. For me in my own life, that does not mean that every assignment gets completed with the utmost scrutiny. I wish it did, but that's not the case. But it means I complete what I need to complete in the way that I need to complete it to move forward. The Lord has never promised me that I will be perfect now. He has promised me that I will be perfect later. He has never promised me that he will make my efforts perfect. He has promised me that he will make me perfect eventually. Which means that my efforts have to fail time and time again so that I can see that he's the one who changed me. I think when we see spiritual things as really spiritual, that's what we end up seeing. We end up seeing the way that God can change us. We end up seeing the way that god can be there for us and we end up needing to rely more on jesus christ because we recognize that he is the meaning and the reason behind things not us and at this point in time i would like to talk about my personal two favorite talks from general conference i felt like this was the easiest way to do it i was trying to pick two talks and then i realized it probably would be best since I'm your podcast host to pick the two that stood out to me the most. The first talk I picked was We Talk of Christ by Elder Aronson. This talk was probably my favorite in the entire general conference. It stood out to me for so many reasons and I would like to talk about the preparation of President Russell M. Nelson. I will say I really like the picture that they picked of President Nelson studying his scriptures. I just think that's a really, really sweet picture. Like to read this section part of our answer may come as we remember how the Lord tutored President Russell M. Nelson in the months prior to his call as president of the church speaking one year before his call President Nelson invited us to more deeply study the 2200 references of the name Jesus Christ listed in the topical guide. Three months later in April General Conference, he spoke of how even with his decades of devoted discipleship, this deeper study of Jesus Christ had deeply affected him. Sister Wendy Nelson asked him about its impact. He replied, I am a different man. He was a different man? At age 92, a different man? President Nelson explained. As we invest time in learning about the Savior and his atoning sacrifice, we are drawn to him. Our focus becomes riveted on the Savior and his gospel. The Savior said, Look unto me in every thought. In a world of work, worries, and worthy endeavors, we keep our heart, our mind, and our thoughts on him, who is our hope and our salvation. If a renewed study of the Savior helps prepare President Nelson, could it not help prepare us as well? End quote. I loved this section Also, because I loved what President Nelson modeled for us in his general conference talk. One thing that he modeled for us is how to study the scriptures. When he talked about basically how he came to understand that Israel means let God prevail, he went to different resources. He really dug deep into what it means to study our scriptures as opposed to just read them i feel like that was the critical part of what president nelson taught me during general conference that's what stood out to me the most is that president nelson turned to many different sources and he really wanted to know what the word of the lord meant not just what it meant for him too many times when we read the scriptures we read them quite selfishly i believe we read them to know what they mean for us ignoring what they meant or the person who wrote them but more importantly what they meant f- for the lord why would the lord have the context that he had why would he have them come forth in a particular time period Why would he select this word over that word? These are questions that we should ask ourselves as we study the scriptures so that we can determine what the word of the Lord is, because we see that in Jesus Christ's ministry, that he became an effective instrument in the Lord's hands, which is really fascinating because he's a member of the Godhead, but that's just, that's the way that I think of it, but you know what I mean. He's completely unified with God, so. Um, But he became an effective instrument. He became an effective teacher because he was the word of the Lord. He's called the word. If he's called the word and we need to become the word to become like Jesus Christ, we need to know the scriptures quite well, not just what we want them to mean or what we think they mean for our own lives. Um, I'd like to just now transition to talking about how Elder Anderson talks about Christ. One of my favorite sections in the Book of Mormon is 2 Nephi 25. I will be honest with you, I I read that chapter every single week because that is how I personally prepare to do things like podcasting and to do things like writing. Because I'm not doing it for any other reason besides to let my future children know and to let the rising generation know and to let you know that Jesus is the Christ. That's, that's the sole reason. That's literally it. I, there's no other reason that I have besides trying to convince you if you are not convinced. Or trying to remind you if you need to be reminded that Jesus is the Christ. That this church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is his church. And that if you adhere to it as strongly as possible, that you will be saved. One thing that Elder Anderson says that I really like is, sometimes we think that a conversation with someone needs to result in them coming to church or seeing the missionaries. Let the Lord guide them as they are willing. While we think more about our own responsibility to be a voice for him, Thoughtful and open about our faith, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf has taught us that when someone asks us about our weekend, we should be willing to happily respond that we loved hearing the primary children sing, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Let us kindly witness our faith in Christ. If someone shares a problem in his or her personal life, we might say, John, Mary, you know I believe in Jesus Christ. I have been thinking about something he said that might help you. Be more open on social media and talking about your faith in Christ. Most will respect your faith, but if someone is dismissive when you speak of the Savior, take courage in his promise. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. We care more about being his followers than being liked by his own followers. I like this section because I want to share a bit of a personal story. About a year and a half ago, I decided that I would post about Jesus Christ every single day on social media. It would either be an Instagram story post. It would be a Facebook post. It really was a Facebook post a day. That's what I typically do. And if I don't do that, I tweet about Jesus or I post something on my Instagram about Jesus. But I decided that I would do that. And at first, most, if not all of the people who liked my posts were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I will add, most people who follow me on Facebook, not on Twitter, but on Facebook, are not members. I would say that about probably, I'd I'd estimate about 70% of the people who I'm friends with on Facebook are not members. The number is obviously less so for Twitter and Instagram, but for Facebook, most people are not members. And slowly over time, I saw something interesting happen. I had more people message me about my faith than ever before, and I even saw a couple people tell me that my posts inspired them to look into the church and get baptized and that is something that i was shocked to hear very humbled to hear that the lord used my simple facebook posts as a means to inspire a seed to grow within someone and then people were able to nurture that seed I was humbled and inspired to hear that and i'm sharing this because i want to try to inspire you to do that too you never know who's listening you never know what they might think i thought no one would care i was like you know these these are fun to write for me i enjoy writing them and i hope that they make one person's day better but knowing that those set the seed those planted a seed in someone to reach out to the missionaries and to be baptized, even if it was just one person, that for me is enough. And I think that that's so important to try to remember is that we are doing this to make sure that people can receive all the necessary ordinances and covenants to completely come unto Christ because we need those to come unto Christ. We know that. The last thing that I would like to share from Elder Anderson's talk reads, can you imagine being caught up to meet him? Whether on this side or the other side of the veil, that is his promise to the righteous. This amazing experience will mark our souls forever. How grateful we are for our beloved prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, who has lifted our desire to love the Savior and proclaim his divinity. I am an eye witness to the Lord's hand upon him and the gift of revelation that guides him. President Nelson, we eagerly await your counsel. The reason I wanted to close on this is because I like visualizing what it would be like to meet the Savior. I feel like that that's an effective way for me to come unto Christ and also to preach more of Christ because Christ is someone that we know. Christ is not just an abstraction. He's not just something out there in the ether. He's a real person who we can come to know. He walks beside us. He's near us. He sits down with us. He mourns with us. He's there. And it's sometimes hard to see him with our spiritual eyes. But I am grateful to have depictions of Jesus Christ that allow me to get a glimpse of an idea of what he might look like because I know he's real. And I also like that Elder Anderson, to me, models a proper attitude towards prophets, which is that we should eagerly await their counsel and be excited to hear what they have to say and recognize that they're being the Lord's anointed, they're being set apart for a particular calling, is incredibly important. And it is deserving of our respect it is deserving of our humility to trust that the lord has revealed things to them that we might not understand it invites us to use the holy spirit to have truth confirmed unto us and to have humility when we don't necessarily understand why they say what they say and i think that that is incredibly important The second talk that I picked is Tested, Proved, and Polished. I was honestly between this one and Elder Bednar's talk because I really liked Elder Bednar's talk as well, but I figured that this one would be a good uplifting message because we've talked a little bit about trials today, and this one is definitely about trials. Um, He opens up with this story. Much of what I know came from my family. When I was about eight years old, my wise mother asked my brother and me to pull weeds with her in our family's backyard garden. Now that seems a simple task, but we lived in New Jersey. It rained often. The soil was heavy clay. The weeds grew faster than the vegetables. I remember my frustration when the weeds broke off in my hands, their roots stuck firmly in the heavy mud. My mother and my brother were soon far ahead in their rows. The harder I tried, the more I fell behind. This is too hard, I cried out. Instead of giving sympathy, my mother smiled and said, Oh, Hal, of course it's hard. It's supposed to be. Life is a test. End quote. I love this because sometimes when we complain about it being hard, we need to remember that it's going to be hard. That it's going to be quite difficult, that it's not always going to be easy, that we're going to have to sacrifice a lot in this life, but everything will be given to us and more through the Savior Jesus Christ. Here's a quote that I really like from this talk as well. God has the power to make our way easier. He fed manna to the children of Israel, and their wandering to the promised land. The Lord in his mortal ministry healed the sick, raised the dead, and calmed the sea. After his resurrection, he opened the prison to them that were bound. Yet the prophet Joseph Smith, one of the greatest of his prophets, suffered in prison and was taught the lesson we all profit from and need in our recurring tests of faith. And if thou shalt be cast into the pit... Or into the hands of murderers and the sentence of death passed upon thee if thou be cast into the deep if the billowing surge conspire against thee if fierce winds become thine enemy if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way and above all if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee know thou my son that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good you might reasonably wonder why a loving and all-powerful God allows our mortal test to be so hard. It is because he knows that we must grow in spiritual cleanliness and stature to be able to live in his presence and families forever. To make that possible, Heavenly Father gave us a savior and the power to choose for ourselves by faith to keep his commandments and to repent and so come unto him, quote. I like this because so often we think that we can become like God by just experiencing what it's like to be like God, we can, but that's not true. We have to choose to become like God. We do not become like something by only experiencing what that is. We have to go through the necessary progression and the necessary progression that our Heavenly Father went through. Man now is God once was, as God now is man may be. I like this. I think that this couplet very aptly describes that our mortal ministries, our mortal experiences center around becoming like God. And to become like God, we do have to experience how hard it can be to fight against the power of the adversary. But luckily for us, we have our savior, Jesus Christ, who makes everything more meaningful and everything easier. And I want to close for this talk by reading the final section of this talk that I really liked. (laughs) I learned another lesson from my mother. As a girl, she had diphtheria and nearly died. Later, she had spinal meningitis. Her father died young, and so my mother and her brothers helped support their mother. All her life, she felt the effects of the trials of illness. And her last 10 years of life, she required multiple operations but through it all she proved faithful to the lord even when bedridden the only picture on her bedroom wall was of the savior her last words to me on her deathbed were these how you sound as if you are getting a cold you ought to take care of yourself at her funeral the last speaker was elder spencer w kimball after saying something of her trials and her faithfulness he essentially said this some of you may wonder why Mildred had to suffer so much in so long. I will tell you why. It was because the Lord wanted to polish her a little more. I express my gratitude for the many faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ who bear burdens with steady faith and who help others to bear theirs as the Lord seeks to polish them a little more. As the Lord seeks to polish us a little bit more. We need to be prepared for the instances Where we feel like our trials will be too long and too hard. We need to have that become something that we not see as detrimental. But something that we see as exciting. Because it allows us to have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing that we can have in this life. And I want to issue a challenge to you. I want to issue my challenge to you which is. I believe that we need to study general conference with as much as we got. So, my challenge to you is to study one talk per week. And when I say study a talk, I mean not just read it. I don't I, I don't think we should just read these talks. I think we should try to understand every aspect of them, liken them unto ourselves, but also understand what the word of God is, what it means why it's presented now, and how we can understand the references that it makes. That's my challenge to you, and to make this fun, I am going to invite you to send me a few sentences about what it's like to do this challenge, and I will read them on the podcast to inspire us to keep on going forward. The last part of this podcast is going to be another question that someone asks of me, and I'm really excited for this question. It was one question that made me go huh okay that's a good question the question was you emphasize scripture study a lot could you explain to us how you study your scriptures this is a very fun question and something that has taken me a long time to learn how to do so here's how i study my scriptures this is by no means the prescriptive method of scripture study um but i'll talk a little bit about it so here's a bit of a backstory of how this happened i decided that i wanted to Really understand how apostles and prophets studied scriptures. So I actually studied how people in the church study scriptures. So I looked up time durations. I looked up methods. I looked up a lot of different things. And what I came to is that, for me personally, my optimal scripture study is one hour a day, two standard works. I, I like to have just two of them. Um, right now, for instance, I'm doing Book of Mormon. Obviously, as We all are as a church, and I'm doing Old Testament. And I like to mark different verses that stand out to me. I have a system that I use to highlight different words i'm usually doing a topical study for both the book of mormon and the old testament sometimes it differs sometimes it's the same right now it's the same for me personally that's been effective i write down five questions at the beginning of my study um i only read i would say probably about a chapter a day i do do all the come follow me readings but i would only i would say that i read a chapter to maybe two chapters a day. I go really slowly. Um, I look at all the cross-references for the verses. I try to define any words that I don't know. I frequently turn to the Hebrew, look at what the original Hebrew words say. I do word studies on the Hebrew. I try to look at all the references to these scripture verses using scripture citation index. That is Scripture Citation Index BYU Scripture Citation Index. You put in the verse and you see all the different times that it's been referenced. So I try to say to see what prophets and apostles have said about the verse. Um, I try to liken the verse unto myself. This in very tedious process where I basically spend a ton of time looking things up and reading different things about the verses and pondering the scriptures takes me so long that sometimes my scripture study is literally one verse i have had a scripture study where i read one verse of scripture for an entire week and i just kept reading the same verse of scripture um on a personal note too i actually have three chapters that i read every single week and i read these chapters every single week because they're my feel-good chapters i read them on sundays on top of normal scripture study um they are second if i two is sorry, yeah, second FA twenty five, as I mentioned. It's actually also DNC one twenty three. Um that one really stands out to me a lot. And then DNC one twenty two. I read those three chapters every single week and I typically also read Enos once a month too. These are chapters in the Book of Mormon that have, or or in Restored Scripture, that have a lot of importance to me in terms of Old Testament and New Testament scriptures that I read quite often. I read Matthew 25 a lot. I really like Matthew 25. I also really like 1 Samuel 1 and 2. I like Isaiah 53, Genesis 22. These are a few examples of um, scripture verselets that I like to read quite often and I find that reading the same passages of scripture over and over and over again in addition to reading ones that I'm less familiar with allows me to gain greater insights and in. it allows me to have something to go back to when I need to feel the spirit. If I'm really having a hard day I'll just read Second Nephi 25 and 26 because those for me are kind of guaranteed feel-good scriptures and those will bring the spirit into my life very strongly in ways that other passages have not affected me so deeply Dancy 121 to 123 25 25 to 26 enos moroni 7 these without a doubt and for samuel 1 and 2 with these without a doubt i will always feel something deeply about them it'll always be a very soul-wrenching experience for me so my method of scripture study involves a lot of marking a lot of looking things up Reading various different books of scripture and also going back to the same scriptures to study them over and over and over again. I also like to incorporate general conference talks into my scripture study. So in addition to my hour of scripture study a day, I try to also do an hour of general conference talks readings on an ideal day. Um, If I have to give something up, that's what I give up, to be honest with you. In terms of scripture reading habits, I'd rather read the Book of Mormon. I try to prioritize that. On a good day i read two general conference talks i read one random one that might or might not be topically aligned with what i'm studying and one conference talk from the recent conference the reason i do that is i'd like it to obtain a familiarity with all scriptures that i can and i believe that you know Conference talks are not canonized, but they're still scripture. So I like to read them. And then also on top of this, sorry friends, I do a lot of reading. Once a month, I read one church history book or one book that I, one book by a prophet or an apostle or a church figure that I find inspiring. I find that this helps me to have a greater understanding of scripture because I see the way that they study scripture. My favorite book. That's a that's a question that someone else asked me, that I'll just answer now. My favorite book that is a church book that is not a scripture book. This is a hard question. There are two. The first one is a little bit, I guess a little bit cheesy, but it's Way to Be by President Hinckley. This was the first book that I read that was a church book. And I was just so taken by it. I, I liked the simplicity of it. I liked the stories that he tells. I liked the way that it made me feel it made me inspired to it made me feel very inspired to be more pure and be more clean those were what i felt the most strongly about so love way to be great book I just happen to love the book, The Miracle of Forgiveness. I think that that's one of the best books that has ever been written. Um, It personally helped me to live a more Christ-like life by focusing on how a lot of the times when we think about sin, we think about big sins. We think about things that transform our lives. We don't think about how the little things that we do lead to sin or those little things that might be transgressions are very harmful to us and our character reading the miracle of forgiveness really changed my perspective on the atonement of christ made it more expansive made it so that i considered my own behavior with greater scrutiny so those are my favorite books and i very very enjoy reading them as awkward as that sounds but yes that is all for today, and I look forward to talking about the Bible with you starting next week. Please remember to submit your questions to hseariacfairmormon.org. We'll have a great time talking about the Bible. Should be super fun, and let me know what you want to have on this podcast. I'm open to suggestions. I feel like a series on the Bible is necessary. It'll be hard-hitting. It'll be amazing. Let me know what you would like, and thanks for listening to Fair Voice. This is Hannah Sirach signing off make sure to follow us on social media make sure to follow us on twitter at fair mormon make sure to follow us on facebook fair mormon same name fair mormon just look us up on social media follow us there it'll be fantastic just get into it it'll be great thanks so much guys